most people, the news that a new child is going to be born into the world is a reason for joy and celebration. However, news of a pregnancy can also bring about stress and worry. How will this affect my finances, my job, my prospects? What if my pregnancy isn't straightforward? What are my rights? Pregnant Then Screwed was set up in 2015 to connect those affected by these issues and all other forms of discrimination that can suddenly present themselves on discovering you were pregnant. Sarah Rees became a campaigner with Pregnant Then Screwed after being made redundant while on maternity leave in 2018. Since then, she's started studying law chiefly to help improve pregnancy rights. Sarah, Dioch Amdod, it's good to have you on my podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Can you first of all say what happened when you lost your job? How did you find out then about the work of Pregnant Then Screwed? Yeah, so golly, it feels like so long ago now, but I was working for a UK-wide gender equality charity. It was a government-funded project supporting women from all backgrounds to get involved in public life. And, you know, I'm so passionate about that work today. So I went off on maternity leave completely happy. And then little things happened that when I look back should have been red flags. You know, things that I was writing emails to my colleagues to see what was going on and not getting anything back. Because I wasn't getting any replies, I then looked on the project website and saw that my name had been removed from all of the staff bios. And then a trustee for the project came to my house to visit, which was a lovely. And she said she wanted to come and see me in person because she realised that they'd been discussing my redundancy um, and that I probably had no idea that that was happening. And that was the first I heard. And then all those little things that had happened all of a sudden pieced together and came into place. I didn't have a clue what to do. I didn't want to be made redundant. I wanted to continue my maternity leave and then go back into work. I'd only been on leave less than three months at that point, And I was already thinking about when I was going back. And then all I could find online was some ACAS information that said the first step that you take is to raise a grievance. So I did that. I was told that I couldn't have the grievance meeting in Cardiff and I didn't want to travel to London because I was breastfeeding. You know, my first baby, she was little. So my mum looked after her downstairs and I was sat on a Zoom type meeting. I don't even think what it was. Zoom wasn't around back in those days. Just up in my bedroom, trying to work through all of this on my own. It was really difficult because I'd gone from having glowing performance appraisals every time, you know, that I had one come up to being told, you know, reasons of things that I'd done wrong. And I thought, well, hang on, I'd raise this grievance because you're trying to make me redundant on maternity leave. And all of a sudden I was being told off for emailing documents to myself at home so that I could work on fundraising bids in the evening. You know, it wasn't that I was doing things that were out of order. I was trying to do the best for the organisation. So that was really, really difficult. And, you know, I was going through all of this. I didn't know what I was up to. I was just trying to follow some of the process that I'd read up online. I could hear my mum downstairs and my baby crying. And, and I just realised then that, you know, I, I didn't have the capacity to fight this. So I took the redundancy. I think they, they made me feel that I was really lucky because I'd been there for less than two years. So, you know, the £1,500 I had was um, I, I should have been really grateful for. And then later on, you know, whilst I would have still been on maternity leave, new people were employed into that project that could have, you know, were jobs that I could have done. 
and and I could have challenged that but you know with 1500 quid that wouldn't have even covered one you know meeting with a lawyer and I didn't want to spend all that money I had on draining away on legal fees because it would have quickly dried up and and then I was kind of looking online seeing is this kind of thing happening to other people is it normal is it just me you know all those things that you think when your confidence is knocked Um, and that's where I came across Pregnant Then Screwed and Jolie had set up this website that was mainly just a space for people to tell their stories and from there we had conversations because she'd obviously gone through you know really similar circumstances and and what Jolie built, I think what's the most amazing thing about Pregnant and Screwed is that you've got all these women who've had that experience that, that are then really passionate to support that charity because we don't want it to happen to other women. How big a problem is this generally? Do we know what the rate of job loss during pregnancy is? It is a massive issue. I think it was around, you know, four years ago that the Equality and Human Rights Commission did some research and they found that an average 54,000 women a year are losing their jobs because of maternity discrimination. And that survey had been done 10 years previously and and they found that that number had doubled in that decade. And this is about four years ago, pre-pandemic. So you can just imagine that the situation is not likely to have gotten better. And it's a really huge problem you know I said that I had you know I wasn't able to kind of take up a legal case and people that do take their case to tribunal you know fewer than one percent of people are able to get to a tribunal claim so so it's really just you know the system isn't working you know we've got this system in place but it just isn't working for mums and for pregnant women and I think loads of people don't really understand that what they're experiencing is maternity discrimination. You know, it isn't just about redundancy, like in my case, it's, you know, people being sacked, they're bullied, they feel discriminated, their um, health and safety needs are not being taken care of in the workplace, their career is stagnating all of a sudden, you know, I remember talking to someone about it and she said, I didn't realise what was happening until I looked back a few years later and realised that everyone that she was on the same level at in the workplace, all of the men had gone up one or two grades, all of the women who had had babies were still on that same grade. We, we know these things are happening, but it it's, isn't as, as straightforward as you might think. That's just the point, isn't it? Because pregnancy and maternity rights do exist. There's the right to work flexibly. There's the right to ask for time off for appointments, to to receive maternity pay. And pregnancy and maternity are protected characteristics under the Equalities Act. So what exactly is going wrong? Is the problem that those rights are not being implemented or that they're not strong enough? Or is it the case that many people are in a similar position to the one that you were in and simply are just not in a position to take on that fight? I think it's worth just taking a point about health and safety because that's so important. And and particularly since lockdown, like one of the things that I did with Pregnant and Screwed in the lockdown was um, support a phone line that they'd opened overnight to help all these different women that were trying to find information about how to stay safe when they were pregnant in the workplace and didn't know what to do. And it was really, really difficult. You were hearing calls from women just saying, you know, I've I've been told that I've still got to go into work. They work in health or care settings. And if you think of this, the tragic death of the nurse, Mary Agwea Agyapong, sorry, my pronunciation is probably not the best. She contracted COVID after feeling pressured to continue to go into the workplace as a nurse. And then she passed away from COVID 
you know, thankfully her baby survived, but her poor family, you know, they've been through so much because she was pressured to go to work and she shouldn't have been going in when she was pregnant. In that first wave, nine pregnant women died with COVID. And yet by April 2021, less than half of pregnant women that we spoke to said that their employer had done a risk assessment to evaluate their health and safety. You know, this really shouldn't be happening nowadays. Health and safety should be massively important, particularly for pregnant women, particularly in COVID. And they're just feeling that they're at risk. But more generally, what's going wrong with maternity rights is access to justice. You know, I said myself, I couldn't afford it. And I'm, you know, luckily from quite a privileged place where, you know, my husband's in a good job. We're managing to financially cope okay. But I personally wouldn't have had any income if I'd spent that £1,500 on taking up a legal case, that would have been it. My coffers would have been empty from there on. And, you know, that's not a good place to be in when you've just brought a new life into the world. And and people always say to me when I talk about my case, like, isn't that illegal? And yeah, you know, it likely was illegal and I likely would have been able to challenge that case in court, but I couldn't afford it. I didn't, you know, I was trying to focus on on my new baby and you've got to take your case um, with discrimination in the workplace. You have to take it within 12 weeks. Well, I don't know how you'd feel trying to do that within 12 weeks of having a baby, but it isn't something that anyone I know would relish. And yet, you know, when we did take that as pregnant, they screwed to the UK government. They said that there was no proof that the time limit is a barrier. Well, I don't know about anyone who'd be listening to this, but put a 12 week old baby in your hands and say that's no barrier to accessing legal support when you've got no money to do it and no lawyer to support you. I'd say that that's a quite a big barrier. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not just about pregnancy, though, either, is it? What about those people who've got to give up work, either because of the cost of childcare or the lack of childcare? That's a big problem as well, isn't it? Yeah, childcare is huge. I mean, I decided to turn my personal story around rather than chase the negative of going for down the legal route. Instead, I use that £1,500 to set up a social enterprise to support women who've taken career breaks back into the workplace. I had help in setting that up from Quaritag, which was absolutely lovely. They gave me some office space. They gave me a bit of support in how to like set up a business. And then when I had my second baby, ironically, with two children under three, it would have cost me £500 a week to go to work. And so when you think, right, it's £100 a day to leave the house and you're self-employed, you simply can't do it. And when you think lots of women are in care jobs, they're lower paid, you can't balance the books. You know, if you think the average childcare place is £250 a week and the average part-time wage is £215 a week, it just doesn't balance. And I don't want to constantly complain. There have been great things happening, like the childcare offer has been absolutely brilliant. I know that that's made a massive change for lots of people. And it's been really successful in getting money back in the pockets of parents who are you know, working and spending all of their money on childcare. But it hasn't done much to get parents back into the workplace when they've taken time out. Um, and one of the key things that Pregnant They're Screwed and lots of gender equality organisations in Wales have said is that there's no point having childcare to help parents stay in the workplace from the age of three. You think about childcare when you're going back to work after your maternity pay comes to an end. That's normally around the age of six months. You know, there's quite a big gap there. 
And I know things are improving with childcare coming in for two-year-olds, but that's still not going to help people who drop out of that gap. And if you think of the cost of living, you're more likely to be out of poverty if you are in the workplace and if you've got a job. You know, if, if we're forcing people to leave the workplace because they can't afford childcare, then it's really difficult because it's talked about as a choice. But if you have a job that doesn't pay enough to even cover your childcare bill, that's no choice. Right. So it's clear we've established that there's discrimination in the workplace. What other examples of discrimination are common? You talked a bit about some of the campaigning work that you did during COVID and the helpline. But can you tell us, for example, about the maternity campaign that you were involved in during COVID? Yeah, so that came about partly from listening to the calls that I was hearing um, on the helpline. But also working with Beth and Syed, I was covering maternity leave for her um, when she had her baby in lockdown. And so I was also hearing from Beth and, you know, what it was like from someone who's actually going through that experience. And so I got involved with this campaign that was called But Not Maternity. And the main problem that people were saying is that you know they were really, really anxious because in COVID, you couldn't go into hospital with anyone. You had to go in alone and you could only have a birth partner with you for access active labour. Well, you know, labour can be a long process and active labour can happen really quickly. I heard of, of dads who were, you know, waiting out in car parks, sleeping in their cars so that they could be there. Dads who were then having to go home because they couldn't be in the hospital with their partner in labour. And 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 they were then missing the birth because birth happened so quickly once that active labour point happened. And I'll never forget one particular story. I was doing some kind of social media stuff as part of that campaign. And I put out some messages on a Friday night. And then my daughter had said to me, mummy, can we get up in the morning and watch the sunrise? And, you know, as much as I like my sleep, how do you say no to that? So I'd set my alarm really early. It was the summer. So we were up about five to walk down to the seafront and see the the sunrise. But, you know, before then, when I was coming round, I had to look at my phone and a message had come in from a woman who said, thank you for what you're doing. I'm currently in hospital and I've miscarried overnight. I'm waiting for an operation. You know, she was absolutely in bits. You could tell that from her message. And she said, All I want is my husband here to hold my hand and he is at home breaking his heart. And it it breaks my heart even, you know, sharing that story because that never, ever should have happened. At the time when people are going through those horrific experiences, dads are still not allowed into scans. But I I was sat in in a pub last night watching a comedy show. If COVID is now something that we're going to live with, then we need parents to be able to have those shared experiences. They aren't all going to be wonderful experiences, but that's where we need each other to support us. And we're not going to get through all this if we don't make those changes. And I think particularly with with that campaign, we're not going to see the outcome of that. You know, there's lots of conversation of how gender equality has rolled back since COVID. Well, you're not going to have equal parenting if you don't allow parents to start that journey equally together. And if dads are visitors, then they're not seen as an equal part of that process. That's a really good point. And we're also storing up mental health problems that we have no idea about at this stage. The mental health is huge. Like Bethan and I did a survey in lockdown looking at 
parents' mental health. And what happened for pregnant women is they were so worried, their anxiety was much higher. You know, it's high enough when you know that what's coming with labour, but it was higher because they didn't know if they were going to be on their own. They didn't know the experience of the hospital they'd be going into. And so many said that their mental health was much, much higher and they're still not getting that support. There were lots of women who came to us and said, I've been asking and asking for support. I'm not getting anywhere. Um, And luckily I've been able to find the money to pay for it. That really isn't good enough, I think, at the moment, that you can only get mental health support in pregnancy or maternity if you can afford it. It just seems quite a sad situation and a worrying situation. Well, that survey particularly, you know, 85% of people that we spoke to, and it was hundreds and hundreds of people, said um, that their mental health was something that they were concerned about. What can we do about all of this then? What can we do to get fairness and justice for those who are facing discrimination because they're pregnant? If there's someone who's listening to this and feels that they're being treated in a way that they shouldn't be because they're pregnant, what can they do? Well, the first thing I always say whenever I've been working on the helpline is join a trade union. It's the biggest mistake I made by not doing that in my own situation. I kick myself about it. Trade unions are there to support you legally. You know, they're your cheerleader. When you're going through this experience, you your confidence is at an all-time low. You're battered and bruised and your trade union is there to give you that support. And I don't think people realise how, how important that is when it comes to these kind of cases. I think if if you're an individual that's experiencing this, then Pregnant Less Group has done a brilliant job. They've got a brand new website with loads of guidance on a range of things like flexible working rights, um, redundancy, you know, all the basics about maternity pay and, and what you'd be entitled to. And importantly, information about pregnancy and COVID. There's a number for the helpline on that website. And they've also got mentors. So if you do get to that process of going through a tribunal then there's someone there who's been through it that is a volunteer that can mentor you through and say you know this is what's going to happen I'll come to court with you I'll help you through that process and I think that's really important because not many women will want to go through that process on their own but having someone there who's been through it and is working with support of an organization like Pregnant Then Screwed is is really really important but you know I think it's been a bit grim so there's also really fun stuff like one of the biggest things that's been the most fun that we did with Pregnant Then Screwed was the March of the Mummies and we did it on Halloween I think about four years ago so we dressed up as the Walking Dead kind of mummies Um, and, and that was just to kind of it was Halloween but we said it was to protest the archaic legislation that's in place around parenting and so we're doing that again this year and you can sign up for that get your fancy dress ready, bring your kids along and we'll be demanding good quality, affordable childcare for everybody, flexible working by default. You know, that was on the cards and then pulled away on on International Women's Day of all days this year and properly paid ring fence paternity leave. It was really successful last time, not only in that it was fun and it got all over the news, but it was brought up in Prime Minister's questions the next day. So that's the kind of change that you can make by getting out on the street and joining one of these protests. Thank you so much, Sarah, for ending this on a positive and upbeat note. You've given us a really good outline of the issues of pregnancy and maternity discrimination. And most importantly, you've given us some ideas of action people can take to bring about political change. Diolch and Ah, Diolch. I'd like to say Diolch to those who have helped me with this project. 
dear to the team at Audacity, the open source audio editing software used to make this podcast. Dear to Nick James for the artwork. Dear to Llewyn Stefan, the creator of the music. And finally, dear to all the podcast supporting subscribers. I'm grateful to all of you. I'm looking for support to continue to make these podcasts. You can become a supporting subscriber by checking out my Patreon page. You have been listening to the Leanne Wood Podcast.